Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 6 of Westworld, titled Decoherence. Yeah, so Westworld got off to a refreshingly slow start this season. Um, and I think, you know, the first couple episodes just kind of focus on one or two characters at a time, really kind of giving audiences time to understand the lives of like Dolores and Caleb and Maeve and Bernard and like what's going on. And, um, but it appears now that they're kind of putting their foot on the gas to kind of cover as much ground as possible with the few episodes that they have left in the season. Did you kind of get that same feeling? Yeah. I was about to say something very similar. Um, just felt like they were kind of, uh, I guess, you know, we talked about in episode five was felt like a climax, uh, felt like almost finale, like material. Um, and now it seems like they're kind of setting up all these kind of ancillary plots, um, to play out over the short course of the next two remaining episodes in the season. So this one was like really hard to follow. The recap was much longer than episodes previous. And, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely a lot like headier and definitely more of that, like, um, existential, uh, sort of like mind numbing questions, Westworld than sort of the action packed, um, last few episodes. Yeah. I actually had to watch this multiple times, um, because I felt like I missed some things the first time around, but, um, yeah, I had to take a break overnight and kind of space it out into two (laughs) sessions because it was just way too heavy for me. Yeah, so pretty much overall, this episode puts a greater focus on Charlotte or Haloris, as as she's being called, and then you have Maeve um, and Serac, and then um, William's whole heady stuff that's happening, which we'll kind of get into. But mm-hmm. um, I guess let's just get into it because there's certainly a lot of ground to cover. Cool. Uh, so we basically start uh, pre-credits. We open with Maeve waking up in what seems to be like the valley simulation uh, or world that Dolores essentially sent all of the hosts to at the end of season two with Serac essentially giving her a second chance after failing uh, to hunt down Dolores. Mm-hmm. Maeve basically asked for more help and Serac suggests that if she fails again, it won't be good for her. Uh, Maeve wakes back up in Warworld and immediately proceeds to start beating up Nazis. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess Lee has just been living in Nazi world ever since Maeve got out and has, uh, I think he mentions, programmed all the NPCs so that they don't even see him, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of kind of funny. And then she made that smart little remark, like, how's that even any different than your normal like bar routine? Just yeah. People don't well, notice you. What I don't get is he's like seemingly conscious of his simulated self where he yeah. didn't seem to be in the, like the first instance that Maeve encountered him. Um, so I guess if they like reset the simulation, wouldn't he kind of lose that consciousness? I don't you know. That, think... that was weird for me. Yeah. I guess he's just, unless there's some way that he's able to not yeah. have his memory reset. Yeah. Maybe Maeve kind of like transferred some of her like omnipresent omniscient powers to him yeah huh but yeah and then we see that she brings back hector um and their kind of love story ignites again 
which I never really got in the first place, but I guess everyone needs that storyline. But anyway. Yeah, it's kind of like what grounds each character is kind of their original plot line, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so post-credits, we essentially see William uh, now spending his time in this like treatment facility presenting an extremely nihilistic view on humanity uh, or nihilistic I think is the correct pronunciation during mm-hmm. a group therapy session uh, he proceeds to make uh, a bunch of people cry in his therapy session <laughs> yeah in his private one-on-one therapy session william essentially admits to killing his daughter and condemns himself for it his therapist recommends ar therapy which we see later in the episode but then receives her insight profile uh yeah he's then strapped down and gets one of those implants similar to caleb's i'm thinking Mm-hmm. and essentially witnesses his therapist killing herself. I couldn't tell which of this was like real and what might have been imagined or perceived. Yeah, so yeah, first of all just like that poor woman in his like group therapy just him <laughs> just already like <laughs> hanging on by a thread. Yeah, and just like you said explains that God doesn't exist and um the only thing he really believes in is chaos and mm-hmm. which is good because not, you know, known to him, the world outside is actually turning to chaos at the very moment that he's kind yeah. of having this, this therapy. And yeah, the whole thing with his like retainer type thing, that mouth implant, mm-hmm. like you definitely said, we saw Caleb wearing that earlier this season and then he gets his blood tested and you know, the, the tech I think missed it, but we see on the screen that there's this unknown protein detected um yeah which is odd and then we see that the location that this data is being transmitted from is in Mexico right i don't know how he got to mexico or how that whole thing kind of ties into it but anyway what do you think about this protein that was detected that they aren't sure what it is to me the connection i made was that the you see later in the episode that Charlotte Hale essentially is tracking him somehow. Mm-hmm. There was like a blood tracker. I'm guessing that the protein itself might have been the blood tracker. I don't think it was anything like more nefarious outside of that. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. What, what did you think? I wasn't really sure. It was like, you know, that we're not really sure what the, that white substance is that mm-hmm. the hosts are being made out of. I didn't know if that had some sort of unknown protein in it that could cause sure. readings like that but that makes sense it was like a um synthetic marker found i think it was another warning label that was on the mm-hmm. screen so he's definitely being yeah tracked yeah and i did really like in this scene too how they sort of it, it's not like the events of each character happening in a vacuum you see the effects of the previous episode with um like dolores obviously releasing all these profiles to the world um you sort of see how that is affecting the people inside and outside of the uh the facility and how at one point they basically just like leave william on ar therapy yeah (laughs) throughout like a global uh like event like a global crisis Mm -hmm. yeah and it was I forget which scene it was, but they even talk about how I think it might've been Sirach where, um, you know, the world's like falling apart. There's all this chaos Mm -hmm. happening. I was like, 
that ring so similar to like kind of what's happening now with like businesses shutting down and mm-hmm. um, all that sort of thing happening and and then him definitely witnessing the suicide of his therapist was pretty crazy you know she got her profile that she is going to have an opioid addi- addiction and that she'll be and having an affair affairs with her with her patients yeah that's imagine like obviously that stuff wasn't happening yet and then to get that news like i mean she must really believe in this system because if that was me yeah, and I, like that wasn't happening i'm like no way this is true right and we definitely see like the man in white struggling with this sort of agency problem that all the other characters are struggling with in the episode but something about the way that the people react in real like real time to the release of their profiles mm-hmm. you would think the first thing that people would react with would be denial um yeah like i'd be very reticent to just like walk off my desk and hang myself just because my phone told me that like i'm gonna cheat on my significant other and lose my medical license and um because that presents like a very deterministic view of the results of of this thing where like my first reaction would be like well i'm going to change that right yeah i don't know it was interesting and then it was weird to me too that like this doctor just like very dramatically hung herself and like no one in the facility like witnessing it happen seemed to give a shit <laughs> right <laughs> <sighs> It's like, Anyways. oh, those, those shrinks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Always doing their, their shrink things. Yeah, and then that that bite on that dude's finger was gnarly. Oh, yeah. As they were trying to put the, uh, they were trying to sedate the man in white. Yeah, we may not be to that, yeah. to that scene yet, but that was gnarly. Yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Um, yeah, so obviously, uh, after that kind of session with his therapist, we see the Rehoboam circle again with the diversions happening in San Francisco, where we know that uh, Haloris, right? Is that it's like Hale and Dolores is kind of the colloquial term for her. Yeah. Uh, her story takes place. So we catch up with her, and she's seemingly making amends with her husband um, on the way to the Delos board meeting, where they're going to basically confront Sirach. Some of Sirach's men kill Brompton so that they won't have enough votes to block his takeover. Dolores asks um, Dolores asks Haloris to retrieve the host making data from Delos, telling her they'll build their new world together, despite Charlotte Charlotte becoming more or sorry, despite Haloris becoming more like Charlotte every day. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that seemed to be like a big thread through this episode. Yeah. Um, first of all, watching TV in portrait mode was pretty crazy. <laughs> like, I guess we kind of have seen that through like Quibi. We talked about yeah. that before. You can kind of watch in that portrait mode, but to see actual television be televised that way was kind of odd and yeah, kind of made me think like what TV would look like in that sort of way. And I think it would only really work for like reality shows or news channels. Like you couldn't have any sort of cinematic thing in portrait mode. Sure. Um, um, but yeah, on the way to the board meeting, um, the dude just gets killed like right on the street. Shot in the face in yeah. broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty intense. Um, and then Sirach, of course, says, you know, with all the chaos, like it's not hard to hide like one more yeah, body. going to go unnoticed. Yeah. So... I thought it was really cool that you can kind of see and we see it throughout the episode um, 
Charlotte kind of coming out in Holoris's like body. Mm-hmm. It gets confusing with all the different names, but yeah, I know. Like she'll be on the phone with Dolores and kind of say things like, "I gotta like look after my family and all this stuff." Like we have these emotions, and then she gets that shut down by Dolores saying, "It's not your family. We need these emotions because the whole like theme is if you can't really tell, why does it matter?" Sure. Yeah, this episode. It- they really play on that really strongly. The whole, like once someone is occupying the body of another person, they start to become more and more like that person. But to me, this was like the first time when I thought about it and it really occurred to me that like really what makes a person themselves isn't their like shell or their physical appearance. It's what goes on inside their mind. It's like how they identify with themselves. And if, what is driving Haloris neurologically is her pearl that is a clone of Dolores's. Why this like conflicting or this like this feeling of uh like a lack of identity or like a blurred identity. Yeah, it's it's certainly a fascinating like back and forth because we're watching mm-hmm. two copies of the same brain whose experience have kind of molded them in very different ways. And it, it's hard not to feel like Dolores views Holoris as expendable just as she did with Connell's. And she kind of mentioned that like, Oh, are you just gonna leave me like you did Connell's? Like we are the same person essentially. And and like, sure, these are copies of herself, but if hosts are worthy of like this free will and independence that they've been preaching, like Mm. shouldn't that also extend to copies as well? Right. And that kind of, adds another layer to the show that it seems endless layers after layers. Yeah, it, it seems almost like they're trying to make the point that like your identity isn't so much your neurological makeup. Like I'm kind of saying it is, Yeah, it's more so that your identity is like a product of your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that kind of goes down a philo- philosophical rabbit hole, but um, that at least seems to be their contention. Right. Right. Um, so we, begins or we see William begin his AR therapy, which uh, is basically carried out through these AR gla- AR glasses we've seen in multiple episodes. Um, and it takes him back to his father seemingly abusing him as a child. Um, and he reacts very emotionally. Uh, so the doctors ask that he's sedated, but he's woken up. Uh, and that's where we see the orderly get his thumb chopped off. Yeah. Uh, by Williams Pearly Whites. Mm-hmm. Um, and William is woken up to confront what seems to be like a group therapy session with his past selves. So there's the boy William that we see in his flashbacks to his father. We see the young William played by Jimmy Simpson. We see the man in black in his black getup. We see corporate William in a tux. Uh, and we also see Delos, who is essentially like leading this therapy session. Yeah. And I don't know if I have a better TV than I thought, but these episodes are so high definition. I don't know if you've realized that. Like I can see every crevice on Ed Harris's face. Maybe he's a a very wrinkly face, but the dude is getting old. Yeah. I'm a big Ed Harris Harris fan. um, And it was cool to see the character of the man in white, uh, who's basically the product of all of the actions and circumstances of the, previous Williams mm-hmm. um, sort of confront the trauma in each of them. 
um, and come to his own realization, which I guess we'll kind of get to um, later in the recap. But um, I, notice... I think this concept of like AR therapy is really interesting because mm -hmm. we, we see this sort of like experimental treatment of soldiers suffering from PTSD with, um, you know, like microdoses of psilocybin or MDMA and they help them kind of like confront the trauma that's kind of haunting them. And this seems like almost like if you were to project what that would look like in the future, this is like the very advanced, uh, like realization of that. Right. Did you notice that the guy that led him into the group session was one of the characters from Westworld, like season one and two? Yeah. The only reason I did was cause I was watching it with the uh, closed captions on mm -hmm. and it basically, it like said who was speaking. I think it's like major Craddock or something like that. Oh, okay. I don't remember his name. And they do flash him, his character and the scene, uh, where William like blows him up with the nitroglycerin. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they show that in the sort of recap from past episodes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It was interesting. Like you said, that, that deep dive into the, like William's psyche and, his different personas arguing with each other about, I guess his true nature. And, um, like he claims he was never violent as a child and that he had nothing as a kid and like pulled himself up with like his bootstraps to become like this mm -hmm. wealthy businessman. But then you see like his father was, so in the first cut with the, with the kid, you thought the yeah. father was like abusing him. But then he was like, really, he wasn't actually abusing him. He was scolding William because he broke this dude's or this other guy boy's arm, yeah, and knocked out his teeth after he was bullied. And um, like the whole nature versus nurture like subplot of the show thickens, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, no, it was cool because you see the older Williams basically look down at the younger ones and scold them for. Um, they're like violent and dark actions within the park. Um, and it's interesting to see his like younger self try to rationalize it and almost, almost like create his own truth. He was kind of like lying to himself, but at, like at the same time trying to rationalize it in a way. Yeah. It's, it's certainly interesting. And like you said in the beginning, just very heady and a lot going on. Yeah, it was a lot. It was just like really interesting character profiles. And I, I love Delos kind oh, of yeah. leading the group therapy session um, and kind of make his own snarky remarks to each of the the participants. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was that, that first glimpse at all of the Williams was a little trippy. Yeah. Uh, so in the next episode, or the next scene, <laughs> sorry, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Sirak arrives at Delos and immediately locks down the facility. He essentially gets the guest data that he wants and then orders the rest of the IP destroyed, basically acknowledging the five Doloreses and orders that the employees of Delos be interrogated until they find out who the host is. Uh, Charlotte kind of scrambles to create a backup of all the Delos data, um, which is very obviously valuable. Um, you know, it's said that like trillions of dollars worth of data um, is saved in Delos's files. Um, and she also takes out someone who tries to snitch on her to, to Ciroc in order to protect the data. 
Yeah. Um, not sure how he found out about Dolores making copies of herself, but I guess that doesn't really matter at this point. The point is that he like institutes this mole hunt inside mm-hmm. Delos, but obviously we kind of know that he already understands it's Holoris who's the copy and kind of sees where she goes with that information. It's kind of like you, you tell someone something just to kind of see how they react and see what they do next. And I think that was kind of his play. Like he kind of knew it was her all along and kind of wanted to see how that would, you know, lead her on like the next hour of what she was going to do. Yeah. If I had to venture, guess at how he knew about the five Dolores's, it's pretty easy once you know to to point out Charlotte, but I Mm -hmm. think it was because they recovered Connell's, orb oh oh yeah after he blew himself up yeah because they are essentially using that in the place where they're printing the host to help Maeve you see his Mm -hmm. sort of like damaged orb and uh, Dolores not Dolores Holoris recognizes that as well Um, something Mm -hmm. when they recovered it from Connell's body they were like oh there's probably others but how he knew there were five I'm not sure yeah 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 and then she you know, sneaks downstairs and tries to copy over the Westworld data to mm-hmm. like this external hard drive and she sends it off. Then we realize maybe she didn't actually send it off because he knew what she was doing the entire time. But right. But yeah. And then I, what, what was really weird about this too, I, I think it may be more to your point that like he knew it was her and he just wanted to see how she'd react. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sirach basically orders this lockdown and like an interrogation of all the employees. I seem to recall in like seasons one and two, there was some sort of like, almost like those temperature checkers you see being used in like Asian countries right now for the coronavirus. It's like some sort of like radar gun. They just like pointed and clicked at people and it told them whether they were hosts or not. Do you remember that? I do. I, th- I think that was when Maeve was starting to get her consciousness. Okay. And she was just like roaming around the research facility with Sylvester and Felix. Okay. Yeah. Cause to me, I was like, unless it's like you were saying he knew all along, it's like, why not just bring that gun out and just have all the Delos employees file past you and you figure out who the host is really right. easily. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Like if he really wanted to know who it was, there are certainly easier ways to do it. And then you wouldn't just dictate that to someone else if it meant that much mm-hmm. to you. Right. Um, so we then uh, we then return to Maeve in Warworld. She catches back up with Lee Sizemore, like you kind of alluded to earlier, only to realize that their simulation has been moved somewhere um, since the last time that she broke out. And she's basically getting reunited with some old friends, getting that help that Sirach promised her, which includes Hector, like you said, uh, who she basically restores to his Westworld self somehow. Um, and then Sirach also gives Maeve a copy of Dolores, um, with which to essentially, I guess, like psychoanalyze Dolores and try to figure out her next move. Yeah. So again, as you watch these scenes flip back back and forth, you the aspect ratio, of course, is changing because mm-hmm. we're supposed to understand that Maeve, her scenes is an actual simulation. Um, but yeah, we talked about the whole Hector thing already. Um but her confronting this Dolores host um, is really interesting because again, it's just like another copy of Dolores and she doesn't really know everything that the actual Dolores knows, but she's also kind of willing to 
not tell her a plan, but kind of be like, oh, well, if this was me, then this is what I would do. Yeah. And that seems interesting. And, well, the the Dolores that they used in the simulation, I'm guessing, stems from Connell's, like, manifestation as Dolores, because it's Connell's recovered pearl that they're using, I think, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So... To me, would he not have knowledge of what any conversations he might have had with like the real Dolores outside of the simulation, or like maybe once he enters the simulation that gets wiped or something? Um, yeah, that could be it. Plus, getting blown up might affect your memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, so she, I think she actually explains that her body is in the process of being reprinted. Right. Um, yeah. So, so Maeve is essentially in the process of like interviewing her and asking what she would do. Um, and she finds the answer, uh, in Holoris, who is basically coming from this meeting with Ciroc, uh, Charlotte kind of gains the info that Ciroc is printing hosts, including Connell's whose marble they recovered, or maybe they're just using for the simulation. Mm -hmm. Um, we find out that they're tracking William's blood to Sonora, Mexico, kind of connecting that those two points from earlier in the episode. As she's getting ready to leave Delos, Serac calls a board meeting to let them know he has the data he needs, which sets the Rojo Boehm launch back to normal uh, and calls out Charlotte as the host. Charlotte, thinking that she predicted his move, poisons everyone in the room and tries to shoot him, but it's really the AR version. And then she makes her way to come destroy the friends that Serac is making for Maeve. And Haloris destroys Hector's Pearl, um, basically killing him in the simulation and retrieves Connell's and makes her escape with the help of the riot control mech from earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, so him ordering, which I guess we see that he's already had ordered, um, the destroy, the destroying of all the remaining host. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty crazy because that's pretty much well, what first season one and two is about. Um, so pretty much like if there's any hope, of a future for host it lives pretty much right now only in data form mm-hmm. which i guess is what he wants because you can control data more so than you can control actual beings if that's what they are right yeah so it lives at at one time in the data but also in like the physical manifestations of dolores in dolores herself um Haloris. and i think the only person we have left is the I forget the character's name the like samurai person from the Shogun world um, yeah, it starts with an M I'm not sure and I believe there's still one host that hasn't been accounted for right correct yes that is correct the one thing as as I watch this scene though just from like the, like the logical or the rational perspective once Serac became the majority shareholder, he basically just like unilaterally decided to destroy, like basically raise Delos to the ground. Mm-hmm. And like, I was watching, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. <laughs> With just um, like implementing a new CEO. Well, in terms of like becoming the majority shareholder, but like also I feel like that sort of decision to destroy the entire company's intellectual property would probably come down to like, some sort of vote at the board. And I don't mm-hmm. think anyone would vote in favor of that. Yeah. Just a tiny detail, but I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know very little about like mergers and acquisitions and corporate takeovers, but 
didn't it, seem right to me. Right. And then you kind of saw like all of the logos change from Delos to Insight. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, I guess, just showing him taking over the company single-handedly. Right. Um, but anyway, moving forward. Yeah. We also get a very like classic elevator fight scene with Holoris. Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of like deus ex machina uh, of the the mech from earlier in the season, which right. like only apparent purpose was to save Holoris in this episode. Riot control is what it said yeah. on the side, which is funny. Right. It was cool. Like the visual effects were awesome. And it was the way it almost like juggernaut like just broke through that cement wall and saved her was pretty awesome. Yeah. Those those machines were definitely cool and them just like throwing people around and uh, yeah, yeah like you said why are they there there's only one of them she didn't like summon multiple of them um but the, it's kind the of rock, insurance policy <laughs> the, yeah the good good nod to the uh, rock'em sock'em robots yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the similarities were uncanny <laughs> right uh so we then see william proceed to violently kill all of his former selves uh, declaring that everything they've done has led to this, what he calls him becoming, quote-unquote, the good guy. Uh, his AR glasses are taken off by Stubbs and Bernard, of all people, who speculate that the doctors left him there in all the chaos from people getting their profiles. Yeah. Um, I guess that location marker we talked about earlier, maybe that's how mm-hmm. Bernard and Stubbs found William. Um, again, I'm not Which sure. Which would mean that they're somehow like in cahoots with all of the Dolores's. Yeah, we we know that there was some sort of conversation that was had, but I don't think we got to see that with Bernard and um Dolores when like Stubb like jumped out of the wall. Mhm. So yeah. maybe they kind of talked about that, but it it appears that you know these three amigos are going to go on some sort of adventure together in Mexico. Yeah. I'm not sure. I feel like things might come to a crescendo in Mexico. <laughs> um, and like to what end, you know, William basically proclaims himself the good guy, but like what is his protagonist's like mission? Yeah. I'm the good guy. That was like, I, I think I verbally laughed, audibly laughed yeah. at, that, at that part. It's like, okay, William, you're the good guy. Right. Yeah. He's the good guy after like cathartically beating up virtual versions of himself and admitting to killing his daughter. Yeah, right. And whatever. I guess you have to like atone for your sins in order to move past them. I don't know. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh and then the final scene we see Maeve essentially awake and reconstructed in the real world and another host is finishing being printed, but we don't get to see who it is before the episode concludes. Uh Haloris attempts to flee with her family after uh meeting them back at her husband's apartment but their car is tragically blown up by one of Sirach's men who very shadily emerges from a back alley Mm -hmm. Uh, she survives the explosion but she is badly burned and her husband and son do not survive and Haloris looks furious yeah and we see that you know she's not necessarily in physical pain but because Mm -hmm. she's like emotionally just drained and we definitely know that Haloris is indeed different from Dolores, 
but both now are pretty much like intently set on taking down Serac, um for their separate reasons. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, yeah, this definitely. I feel like they had to make the connection, or they had to basically establish. You know, Haloris is becoming more and more like Charlotte every day to build to this final scene where her pseudo family gets blown up and kind of creates this reason for her to go on her sort of revenge tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got like young Anakin Skywalker, like episode three vibes right? with her, like crawling out after the explosion and that kind of seething look on her face. Right. Um, but seemingly the kind of the two, things moving us forward are her kind of plot line of revenge, uh, the man in white and Bernard and Stubbs in, uh, in Mexico. And then we also see in sort of the, the look into the next episode, it seems to be largely about Caleb's past and confronting the memories of him and his friend from the military or whatever those situations might be. And we also see more of the man in white and Maeve, but there's still a lot that we don't know. Right. And, I just want to say that through episode one and two, I was not really a big fan of Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, actually found her kind of annoying at a lot of times, but yeah, but this episode in particular and this whole season, she's kind of been knocking it out of the park. Like, you know, I agree. she's, she initially was playing a Dolores copy, but like couldn't let on. Um, now that we know she's a Dolores copy, like watching the subtle ways in which, Charlotte is kind of straying from Dolores's path is like, it's pretty fascinating to watch. And there's like a humanity to her lacking from Dolores that Tessa Thompson's actually able to act and show on screen. And that's really cool. Yeah. Just, she definitely uh, kind of brought out that like emotional aspect after the car crash, you could see on her face kind of the pain and the anguish um even though it's not really her family but she feels so close to them um and even just like in some of the behind the scenes and like inside the episode portions it is very clear that tessa thompson the showrunners have done a really good job of giving her like a clear motivation um behind the thoughts and actions of this hilarious character um because like you said like i don't know if you said season one and two or episodes one and two season um, one and two yeah okay yeah that makes a lot more sense because i felt that very largely the same that she was very this um vain uh just like sort of braggadocious and like overly confident businesswoman kind of archetype without a lot of complexity to her arc um but i think this season has allowed her to really i guess capture like a more interesting character study yeah no for sure i definitely think that and again it's interesting to watch and i think tessa thompson does a pretty great job of portraying that yeah she killed it but pretty much my final thoughts um of this episode is i still think it feels like we're watching 10 episodes worth of story kind of crammed into eight episodes yeah Um, but i think emotionally this episode works and again by the end we kind of see Maeve's resolve to kind of help Serac and that's certainly been solidified she had like this heart to heart with Dolores about their differences and they pretty much agreed to disagree 
And then she watched Haloris kill Hector. So like she doesn't need any more incentive to go after Dolores, it seems like. And now you have Haloris, despite her misgivings about the whole plan that's happening, is again now like dead set on taking down Sirak after he pretty much murdered her entire family. And it seems like the lines are drawn and we are headed towards a showdown. Yeah. I, I do kind of want to address the point that you made about the length of the season mm-hmm. and trying to cram so much in. I'm guessing, you know, eight episodes instead of the typical 10 from the past two probably had something to do either with the scheduling of the shooting or most likely the budget. And seeing like the inside of the episode for this episode, they obviously spend a lot of time with the practical effects of the explosion of like Haloris's family's car and also like the digital reconstruction of that on to like another set. It seems mm-hmm. like they've expended so much money on like the CGI in this season, whether it's like the mech whose only purpose was to save Haloris in this episode yeah. or even something like shooting a practical effect and then like stitching it onto another set as opposed to just like shooting on a set where they could do a practical effect. Mm-hmm. you wonder if like they'd spent a little less if they could have had the storylines span like a total of 10 episodes yeah or had the the budget to do that maybe that was mm-hmm. maybe said maybe that was a factor right do we have any ideas of who that host is that they're that is being rebuilt by Sirac and Maeve I don't know so it's clearly an ally to Maeve or someone that is a weakness to Dolores Mm -hmm. yeah no that's a good question I mean so we don't know who is being printed but the bigger question in my mind well I guess it wouldn't make sense for it to be anybody else but we've seen hosts printed with different hosts orbs in their heads in the past principally these like five Doloreses so I even question like whether it was Maeve that was actually reconstructed um yeah i guess i don't really have a reason to question that they may i guess the bigger question is who is being printed and if who's being printed's body is going to be different from whose brain is in the body right <laughs> right yeah that's the tale as old as westworld time <laughs> right yeah i mean i kind of made a joke in my notes saying like i think it would be cool if it was just like the rock <laughs> and now like the rock is on Westworld, like running around and like choking out Nazis with Maeve. Um, it's certainly a long yeah. shot, but I think, you know, until we really see who who's in there and until we have like undeniable like confirmation that it's not the rock, I'm going to just keep pretending um, that they're just reconstructing the rock just for this week until we have next week's episode. Yeah. Is there any, anything else that we, we missed in this episode um i think we kind of talked about most things like my main points were just like where does charlotte haloris um go from here mm-hmm. um who's in who's in that like milky container what we don't really know um what's so, yeah. the truth behind caleb's past right yeah that's gonna certainly play into it and then um yeah, I think we answered most of the kind of outstanding questions. And do you kind of see, are we still saying that Sorak's the bad guy here? 
Or he's yeah, just defending so. humanity. Oh, well, that's what he's telling himself. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same kind of rationalization you see the man in white, um, his previous self giving his future self. Um, I, I still see him as the bad guy. I mean, I think it was assassinating a board member of a company you just took over in broad daylight. It's pretty evil. Um, yeah. So is destroying all of its intellectual property with like the snap of your fingers. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, he might say it's for humanity, but from what we understand of the show, it's f more for his own control. It seems like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we still really don't understand why he wants the Delos gas data. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. He doesn't really want to use it. He just wants to have possession of it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, but we have two episodes left. Um, and usually from my experience with these shows is a lot of stuff happens in the penultimate episode, which we will get next week. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. And I guess that's it. Yeah. I think we have uh, a little bit of listener mail this time around, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so we had two pieces of listener mail. Um, we appreciate that. Again, you can send it to us on anchor.fm slash coastpodcast or on Twitter at C2C Podcasting. Um, but one of the ones was actually from Anonymous. I, I couldn't find a name, so sorry if it's your question. But it's pretty much what are, what are lines that are bound to be repeated in any genre of television or cinema? So... Um, we kind of talked about this yesterday to kind of get ready for this episode, but the main one that of course we both realized, and that was even said in this episode of Westworld was <laughs> and in previous ones and in previous ones is that we're not so different. You and I, and that seems to happen in a lot of dramas that I've ever seen. Yeah. Or, or like a lot of bond films too. Yeah. I feel like if anyone follows like the James Bond franchise, but it seems like a pretty particularly favorite line of like evil dudes trying to take over the world. Yeah. Or like, you, yeah, the bad guys trying to rationalize themselves to the mm -hmm. good guy that, you know, we're not so different. We just look at it through a different lens. That line is definitely repeated a lot. And then I wanted to add one in there that also was yeah. said in this episode was when parent figures or, someone says to a significant other that, Oh, I won't let anything happen to you. Yeah, and then yeah. the next scene they get killed. Yeah. That seems to happen a lot as well. Like these, or empty promises. not even like the content of that line, but oftentimes the way it's delivered, especially in cars is they just get like blindsided mid sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the one line that I immediately thought of mainly because I'm a big star Wars fan is I've got a bad feeling about this. Um, so it's definitely part of the Star Wars canon, but I feel like any uh, cheap like teen horror thriller or um, like a war movie, you're bound to have. A, I've got a bad feeling about this in it. Yeah, and that kind of goes hand in hand with like, oh, it's quiet, too quiet. Yeah, I'm like okay, well, you said it's really quiet, so I'm gonna expect something really bad to happen. Shortly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So those kind of go hand in hand. Um, and then I added in there that it's always funny, I guess, when characters say the title of a movie like in a line. Mm -hmm. and, and in this show, I mean, Westworld is the name of the park, so it's a little bit different. But 
Um, for example, you have shows like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. It's like, oh, I guess we're playing the Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's like, okay. That's what I'm watching. Thanks for reminding me. Right. Yeah, it's always kind of the... I think it's also the subject of like a few Family Guy jokes. Um, but yeah, I always feel a little moment of like contentment when I hear the title of the movie. Like something, something's been fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to like be ultra like mm-hmm. meta about it, I guess. Um, did you have any other ones in terms of lines or do you want me to move on to the next listener mail? Uh, there's so many. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably a good, good opportunity to move on. Yeah. So the next one is from Derek. He, um, sent us an email that, or he sent us this, this listener mail regarding an email that he received from a person named Tom Bags, And I guess he's kind of was kind of honing in on the jokes that we've made in previous episodes about like funny fake names that like we Charlotte airport or <laughs> Mitch casino. Right. Like, yeah. So if you listen to other episodes, you kind of picked up on that, but if you just want to know, do we have any new funny fake names to pass along? Well, I do have one instance that is actually inspired, uh, by the events of a friend of mine who had gotten, it was basically like an email conversation he was having with someone at work and this person had the title of chief you know like you would have the title in like the military or perhaps in like a government agency um and his last name was keef um so he was addressing chief keef it's not like a made-up <laughs> name but it was i just thought it was interesting to see uh you know someone this so i guess in popular culture depicted to be like this pot smoking uh like mumble rap gangster mm-hmm. uh juxtaposed next to this like I, I don't know if it was like a <laughs> it was like a firefighter or um but like keith spelled in like the irish way with like an e at the end it thought it was just really funny yeah i um i didn't really have much yesterday but kind of thought about it i think mm-hmm. randy seasons is a funny name okay. and like when I think of Randy Seasons, he's like a detective and his partner's name is Cookie Lancelot. <laughs> and and they have like this extreme like will they, won't they energy. And then yeah. they're like chasing after this crime boss named Tito Nefarious. I think that's so right. it's sort of like a buddy cop comedy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a rush hour almost? Mm-hmm. Okay. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. I, uh... I also have another one from personal experience. Um, I once introduced myself to someone uh, as like a good friend of my current roommates. And I said, hey, I'm Misha. And he was like, Nissan? Like he thought my name was Nissan. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking, you suggested something like Nissan Houseplant, but I thought like Nissan Ventura would be like an interesting uh, like foreign detective or He works with random like, seasons. Yeah, maybe he does. Yeah, and then you have, I guess instead of, you can have a Janice house plant. Sure. Uh, she can be yeah. like the mayor. That seems like a mayor, mayoral name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go, Derek. Those are some funny fake names that we made up in 24 hours. Yeah, we got Chief Keefe, Randy Seasons, Cookie, right? Cookie Lancelot. Cookie yeah. Lancelot. Yep. Yeah. And then you have... 
Nissan Ventura. Yep. Janice. Tito Nefarious. Tito Nefarious as a crime boss. Yeah. That they're all chasing. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) enough of our rambling. Um, Thanks again for hanging out with us for this episode. Um, Westworld, again, is getting pretty crazy. We have two episodes left. That means we have two more episodes of our Westworld exclusive deep dives. Um, Don't miss those. Uh, remember to subscribe, leave a review. You can actually turn on notifications now uh, for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to either of those, um, those would be a good thing to turn on just so you can get the latest um, of our episodes and know exactly when we when we publish them. So um, again, for now, thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week. See you then. Bye.